Welcome to the Sense Fitness Podcast. I am Jim Ghazali uh, and my oftentimes co-host Andy Ruiz. Today we are live in Saratoga Spa State Park with Anna Lalloway. She is a mother, geologist, and founder of the Saratoga Shredders Mountain Bike Club uh, up here in, in Saratoga County. So Anna, thank you very much for, for inviting us and uh, spending some time with us this evening. I'm happy to be here. This is super exciting and it's a really fun group to talk about. So I'm always happy to talk about the Saratoga Shredders. Cool. Yeah, we're, we're excited to, to dive into that. But, but first, um, let's talk about you. You, um, like I just introduced you, mom, geologist, and then, and then the Shredders. Uh, you have quite a prolific uh, athletic background um, yourself. So kind of take us back to the start and um you know how your athleticism your athletic background um has has taken us to today sure yeah thank you um it actually starts way back when i was a kid um and my uh mom was a Ironman triathlete. She was a, an elite Ironman triathlete. So our childhood, my brother and I, was traveling from triathlon to triathlon across New England, um, following my mom doing all of these all of these tries across New England, um, and then eventually getting to the level where she was competing in in Hawaii at the Ironman quite a few times. So um, I was really inspired by her at a very, very young age. But I also actually, to have that bar set for you at that age is really interesting, right? Because I did think that all adults were incredible athletes. and <laughs> All men had shaved legs. <laughs> it really was an interesting environment to grow up with um, as a child, but just an unbelievable athlete. So she is now, gosh, she is still, she's about 65 now. Can She can still do pull-ups in doorways <laughs> with her fingertips, an incredible athlete. So she was top 10 in Hawaii four times as an elite woman, um, held the fastest run segment in in the Ironman in Hawaii for quite a few years. I'm not sure who ended up um, beating that record. 2.44 Boston Marathon, qualified for the Olympic trials and marathon, incredible athlete. So that was my childhood was growing up around road triathlons. Mm -hmm. My dad was more of a team sport athlete, also a very good athlete, but not a not a triathlete. Um, and then I, I did gymnastics, track and cross country all through high school and college. Um, and then I started playing Ultimate Frisbee, which you may or may not know, but I started playing Ultimate at Carleton College, which is known for its Ultimate Frisbee team, which is a little bit odd. It's also known for its <laughs> academics, of course, firstly, but it's also known for its Ultimate Frisbee team. We won college nationals my senior year. And then um, during my graduate work, I went over to Cambridge, England to do my PhD and played for the British national team for Ultimate Frisbee for six years. So I was traveling around the world playing for the British women's national team. Um, we played in Australia, Finland, all across Europe many times, but the world championships were in Finland and Australia when I was playing with them. Um, so that was my sport for many years. For about 10 years or so, I was heavily involved in um, playing at the top level of that sport back then um, and then building the British scene as well. There weren't any women really playing much when I first arrived in England. Um, so I helped to build the women's program in the UK so that by the time I left the UK, there were 30 women's teams that were playing across the across wow. the UK and, huh. and the level of teams had improved enough that it could play at a high level again and, and do pretty well at the world's level. Um, How were you introduced to Ultimate Frisbee? Well, actually, it's real. I had never heard of it before going to Carleton, and it's just an odd. I don't know if you know Carleton College is a small private liberal arts school in Minnesota, and so it is winter time basically until May <laughs> in Minnesota. So there's still snow on the ground. The whole school is there's 1,700 students, and the whole school is a very small school. So you're competing against these huge state California and North Carolina schools that have thousands of athletes to choose from, right? And we are this tiny school in Minnesota that has a outdoor season of about three weeks before nationals, <laughs> but everybody at Carleton plays Frisbee. So I was introduced to it at the college and I was at the time running track and cross country um, and I was diving too. Um, and so because the ultimate Frisbee team was so strong at Carleton, they could pull from any other sports. It was like being on the varsity football team at a D1 school. Mm. If you were on the ultimate Frisbee team at Carleton, that's, you were the cool kids yeah. on campus, <laughs> which is pretty unusual at most schools that the Frisbee kids sure. are the cool kids yeah, on campus, sure. right? Yeah. But that's how it was at Carleton. So because it was such a successful program and because everybody at the school was playing it at least an intramural level, 
the best kids were really, really good. And you could take the best athletes from the soccer team, from the basketball team, from the track teams, and make a phenomenal group of athletes that you just had to teach how to learn to play, to, to sure. throw the Frisbee. Wow. I so think you're the first person I ever met that played ultimate Frisbee. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so, it's kind of unusual. You can tell I'm, I'm used to these fringe sports. It becomes kind of a theme in my yeah. life, <laughs> these fringe sports. Wow. Um, so I, yeah, I played that at a really high level and then just decided it was, it was pretty hard on your body. It's a lot of running and mm. diving and um and i was kind of done with that and bought a mountain bike uh in cambridge when i was living in england still um and i rode mountain bikes for that first year sorry the first year riding bikes i was living in cambridge which meant was my last year living in cambridge um and then went back to the states so i had transitioned into biking my final year in the uk um but then when i came back to this the states this is in 09 or so um we started a family so didn't touch my bike for how old is zoe she, i guess five years i probably didn't know longer than that what's that no i know <laughs> it was a while till i started riding again so we had moved to saratoga um and my neighbors introduced me to Simba, which I don't, I don't know if any of you have sure. ridden in Simba. Yep. So Simba is the most technical place to ride mountain bikes, probably in the Northeast, but not yeah, quite. No, it's, it's, pretty, it's, it's a pretty difficult technical place to ride mountain bikes. I is. usually get hurt when I ride there. Right. If you get out of Simba and you haven't broken your bike or your body, it's a good day. <laughs> it's a good day. So, um, And that's where my neighbor took me for the first time riding in Saratoga. And I was like, oh my gosh, Like, I'm not, how, how did I consider myself a mountain biker before I can't ride a single section? Did your neighbor like section? you? I know, right? <laughs> He's clearly trying to test me in some way. <laughs> Welcome to the neighborhood. Let's go ride Simba. Um, but the more I went back there and was able to accomplish little bits at a time, the more I um, got hooked. So that's when mountain biking really started for me. And um, it was also, I was a stay-at-home mom. And I had gone from this life in England where I was... Um, playing for the national ultimate frisbee team, I was um, living in Antarctica in the North American winters. So January through March, I was in Antarctica, and I was just living this crazy, crazy life, which was normal to most Cambridge people because everyone in Cambridge is doing incredible things. But moving back to Saratoga, I was then a stay-at-home mom at home, and so mountain biking was this incredible, like little piece of crazy that I needed to to keep myself kind of on track and to be an awesome mom that way, to have that little bit of adventure that I could head into the woods during the day while they were at school, have my little adventure and um, get my fix of, of outside time um, where I was doing that 100% of the time before, right? But if I had that little fix of, of crazy and Simba and get back to parenting and back to my um, everyday life, then I was good. So it really kept me. Right. It sounds like you know, the ultimate Frisbee being outdoors geology, being outdoors, mountain biking, being outdoors, um, at least the, the two athletic things I just mentioned, almost kind of, for you, it sounds like, kind of came out of nowhere. There was not necessarily a, um, you know, a plan leading up to becoming a, you know, yeah. world-class ultimate Frisbee player or um, getting into into mountain biking and, and excelling at that. It sounds yeah. like it just kind of just happened. happened organically. Yeah, I think it's a combination of things. I think it's kind of who you surround yourself with and the opportunities that you um, make for yourself, um, as well as a bit of luck for sure. Like I, you know, I knew I wanted to choose a profession where I could be outside. And so geology, when I got to Carleton, I knew I was going to be a scientist of some sort, but I had no idea what I wanted to do for science, science wise, um, and started taking some geology classes where they were outside all the time. And they were doing these cool camping trips. And I was like, gosh, if I could make a career out of something that allowed me to be outside um, and understanding my environment more like I'm gonna do that <laughs> and so um, you know it was that and then in terms of the physical fitness stuff it was again kind of who you surrounded yourself with and the success of those I was definitely motivated by successful programs like that right and, and in terms of Carlton being an ultimate frisbee team I was like well if that's gonna be their main sport then I'm gonna be really good at that one <laughs> right? right and and so that that's kind of a, that it turns on my personality. That's kind of a good thing and a bad thing. Like I find 
Same with biking. When I started mountain biking here in Saratoga, so Zoe was about a year old and Sophia was three or so. Um, sorry, I should say my daughters are and Sophie and Zoe. And Sophia is currently 10 years old and Zoe is eight. So um, after Zoe was born, my youngest, I was about, she was about a year old when I kind of got back on the, the fitness train there um, and uh, refound my love of biking. Um, but I didn't know what I, which discipline I wanted to do. Like, like you're aware, of course, and, and Andy, there are so many different bike disciplines around here. There are so many opportunities to be in road biking, cyclocross, now gravel, um, triathlon, on-road triathlon, off-road triathlon. Like there's so many options. Right. And I didn't know what I would be particularly, I knew I wanted to, to refocus because I had done ultimate Frisbee at such a high level. Like how was I going to refocus my athletic career and what was, what, track was that going to take? What was that going to look like? So actually the black fly was the first bike race that I did. Oh, so the black fly was, so you didn't actually do a mountain bike race per se. I did it on my mountain bike, on my mountain bike, but yes, exactly. I didn't, I didn't know mountain bike racing really existed. Even what year was that? That was, <clears throat> Zoe was born, what year was born Zoe? 2012. <laughs> so 14, 2014, I started riding bikes and So you did racing. the mountain bike division at the Black Fly Challenge. I did, yeah. Which so has, I'm, by the way, like a thousand people do this event. It's a, yeah. it's a crazy point-to-point -point event uh, from Inlet to... Um, Indian Lake. Indian Lake in the Adirondacks. Yeah. It's a really, really fun, fun course to race on and a great way to get your feet wet too as yeah. well, for sure. For sure. And, and you can ride any bike. You can ride your cyclocross bike. You can ride a gravel bike. You can ride a mountain bike. And it Tandems. really brings I've the... seen people do it on tandem bikes. Yeah, the front offers. <laughs> yeah, the front offers. Exactly. <laughs> For one. <laughs> exactly. With a child in tow. <laughs> so that was your first race. Yeah. And then yeah. that introduced you to you know to, to people that race bikes more exactly. and then what did you do after that for so I was mostly doing I was doing a lot of indoor gym stuff and that's where I met uh, Zach Vogel who oh, is Zach, part sure. of North American Velo which is a race team I eventually joined so I started doing his spin classes and he kind of introduced me to the the race scene I guess and and was the one who invited me to be part of the team eventually because he saw me consistently showing up to these spin classes and I was totally overdoing myself. I was, I was training in the opposite way at which you're supposed to train. I was just doing as much as I could every single day, as hard as I could with zero rest. <laughs> like, that was why I was like, well, if I'm going to get better at this sport, the only way I can do it is to do it as hard and fast as I possibly can every single day. <laughs> and he would see that happening and be like, okay, well, so he kind of took me under his wing as a coach, um, okay. initially, cause I was so new to the sport and you know, it's a really a mat when you're transitioning from a totally from ultimate frisbee and then a little bit of a break with parenting to then you know, it's all new muscles, all new capillaries that you have to break down and build up again. And I knew I wanted to get more into endurance style too, and I hadn't done an endurance sport really up until that point. I knew I had some endurance in my genes, right, with my mom, but um, I didn't know how to do that part of it either. So the North American North American Velo guys were great about um, kind of taking me under their wing as super experienced racers and riders in lots of different disciplines. Um, so after the Black Fly Challenge, yeah. did you get involved in more actual mountain bike racing? I did, yeah. Um, so I think I must have done the New, the New York State Mountain Bike Series probably that first summer. Um, which was really fun. So that was actual mountain bike racing, uh, cross country mountain bike racing, where it was a lapped, a lap course, um, and started out at cat three, I guess. I think for mountain biking, you have to start at cat three, whereas road biking, you start at cat five, uh, yes. category five. Um, and then, uh, became cat one and elite pretty, pretty quickly after that. Um, but it was frustrating because all the women that I was lining up against had been racing for years, right? So I had, it's one thing to get fit really fast, but to gain the, which you can do and be very good at road biking, for example, but to be really good at mountain biking, you can't just rely on your fitness. You right. have to rely on like years of technical training and practicing, and you can only get better at that so fast. Right. And as Zach would say, like you can't, you also can't get better at mountain bike racing by just mountain biking so all of a sudden he was like you need to be out on the road and i don't want to be out on the road i have no interest in being on a road bike i don't want a road bike i don't want to be on the road <laughs> i have no interest the whole point of this is being out in the woods i like to be in the woods <laughs> i like you're, to go fast but it says that too you know because like <laughs> a lot of cross racers and a lot of mountain bike racers want to train only in the woods yeah and you don't get your best fitness at the end of the day by training in the woods all right. the time you got to ride to sustain power on the road yeah so i understand what you're saying because you're like i don't want to be on the road with cars right. and whatnot it's boring <laughs> Yeah. And so that's why at, at about that same time is when gravel racing started to come into play. And this was just a couple of years ago. And so I was like, well, gosh, I'm just going to get a 
gravel bike then and do all my training out in um, Washington County and do all that Baton Kill area roads, which were, you know, 80% dirt instead of, and no cars, rather than doing it around Saratoga and up to Lake D or whatever the traditional road um, training areas around here, which are hilly and they're great courses, they're great ride loops, but they're very busy and there's cars. And I would, I would see myself changing my posture as I was riding on the road and a car would pass my shoulders would go like scrunched and I, my neck was really like tight because I was nervous that these cars are texting while they're passing me so yeah. I was able to move into the gravel scene a little bit because I wanted to be able to train more for the mountain bike racing I guess. Sure. <laughs> Explain that that training a little bit because you know as I only ride on the road I do triathlon and you can get like you said pretty fit pretty fast and for somebody like myself um especially during the winter i'm doing a hundred percent of my training inside and even you know during um most of the spring summer fall like i'm doing multiple rides indoors for some specific training during the week um i would just assume that mountain biking you would want to be in the woods on the trail so you can learn bike handling get better at that that more technical stuff so to hear you say you know switch it up with some traditional road riding um you know explain that a little bit and what the the kind of crossover benefit is and then kind of how that relates back to being in the woods and and the bike handling aspect of it yeah that's a good question jim and that's really tricky because as you say our our winter here in saratoga is is pretty long and we have snow and mud on either side of the snow season too so it's tricky to get into the woods so the name of the game for me and as well as zach which was nice to have that kind of coach relationship and have be on the same wavelength that way was to always have it be fun like you never wanted to like any athlete you never want it to feel like work and i wanted to so he was always encouraging me to switch it up with all different sports, especially in the winter. So basically, as soon as mountain bike season finished, I would start running. And I had some, um, oh gosh, what's it called? Uh, the IT band issues mm-hmm. for quite a while, like lingering for years. So it would get to the point where I'd switch from mountain biking to running. And I would really, I could only max out at like five miles a day sort of thing because my IT band was really in a bad place. So, but I started doing one day a week in the winter time of lifting and doing just a half hour lift before the two hour spin class with Zach, which was that high interval, high intensity interval training with, with Zach on the bike. Um, and as an unintended consequence of the weightlifting, um, my IT band injury went away. So I was, I was really working on those glutes and, um, medial meniscus, not medial meniscus, medial, um, I can't remember all the terms now. <laughs> the IT but medial glute, I think, is what's usually associated with an IT band weakness. Medial glute weakness and a, a hip flexor. So by doing those extra really focused leg workouts, I was actually, it was benefiting my IT band. So anyway, then I started doing, the idea in the winter time was to do three or four LSD workouts. So an LSD is long, slow distance. So this was my routine. Because I was still not an endurance athlete yet, I needed to spend the winter doing these long, slow distance workouts where I was doing three to four hours of whatever sport it was, whether that was cross-country skiing, whether that was snowshoeing, it was keeping your heart rate super low for a sustained long period so that that 60-mile ride that you did in October at whatever heart rate um, for um, – four hours when you did that again in april you were doing at the same heart rate for the same distance but one to two miles an hour faster right being able to keep that heart rate down so i did that i ran for hours and hours and hours very slowly but i was basically in iron man shape by april being able to do i would jump in the pool and just do two and a half miles of swimming just slowly but i would do it and then same with the, the running i would just go out for three or four hours and while the girls were at school and just jog slowly for that amount of time <laughs> and then and then the other workout was this once weekly two-hour spin class with zach which was full-on power sprints he would mix it up from just like any indoor workout from one minute on one minute off for two hours all the way up to 20 minute intervals um, for the two hours so that rotated week to week so that was my one kind of power workout a week whereas the rest of the workouts were these long slow distance workouts and then come april i'd phase out i'd just be doing one of those per week or something one of the long slow distance workouts per week and and start to bring in the shorter stuff and shorter intervals i didn't do a lot of like super strict interval training um on the road i mean i I guess i did i guess i did in the last couple years actually um 
but that winter program was really just get as many different sports in as you can so that once you get back on your bike in the spring you're psyched to be back on your bike again right and that's what i love about shredders is like yes we're focused in the spring and the, and the fall on biking but i'm not going to have them spin inside they're elementary school kids it's one one thing for them to be like the middle school and high school kids to be indoors spinning getting ready for the nika season in the spring but these kids are all you know between seven and 11 years old and i'm not going to have them indoors on a bike right. i never went indoors on a bike except once per week usually in winters it was not my thing i preferred to be outside enjoying the outdoors as much as you possibly could in whatever capacity and whatever sport that was right. so i always try and encourage that with the kids as Good. well so once the season started you'd be more specific and start doing some interval base workouts on your gravel bike and then for technique wise you'd ride the mountain bike a couple days a week yeah gosh not even sometimes it was just once a week Mm -hmm. on the mountain bike um i tried to do those tuesday night uh blue sky rides back in the day i was doing those every week and the goal there for those of you that don't know about these some people call them the world championships rides so these are (laughs) they're run by tuesday night yeah Yeah. so blue sky bikes was is now track that location is now track but um the north american velo team kind of organized these weekly rides that would go out these are road rides hammer rides um and i hadn't road ridden really before and i'm joining this group of 20 25 guys who were averaging between 20 and 22 miles an hour for two and a half hours or so right and so my goal was to make it through the warm-up pretty much (laughs) and i'd have a workout in the back of my head once i got dropped like i knew at some point on this ride pretty early on i was going to get dropped but the experience of being with these guys who had amazing bike handling skills as mountain bikers but also as road cyclists was what I needed like it was I I always say this that if you want to improve your bike handling skills just jump on a different bike or jump on a different trail like as much time as you can spend in the saddle as possible like I didn't enjoy road riding or racing but I would do it to improve my mountain bike skills because even riding with skinny tires on someone else's wheel, that's a different skill that you don't necessarily need for mountain biking, but it's just switching it up enough that it's out of your comfort zone so that if you find yourself in an odd situation on a mountain bike, you can correct it because of these random skills you've acquired by doing different disciplines. Sure. So how long did you race, uh, whatever the best word is, at the elite level, competitively? How long did you do that for? Um, I think probably... Uh, I guess four four years, probably, three years. Um, I think I stopped because I went back to work last year. So 2018, I think, was my last, um, where I was really training for these for these mountain bike races. Mm-hmm. So I was New York State champion for Cat 1, I guess, in seven, 2017 and 2018. <laughs> um, right. And then after that, I started, I was just doing black fly. I would do the occasional cross race. Cross, again, was another one of those I never trained for it. Like I wasn't really interested, sorry, but I wasn't really interested in training on getting on and off my bike. I just wanted to stay on my bike. <laughs> so um, I would, uh, you know, jump into those races. Cause again, for the bike handling seals and the community, like it's such a fun community event and it's such a great spectator sport to be able to go to a cross race and see um, at multiple points in the race, be able to, to see lots of different people and lots of different spectators. Um, and so that was fun as a family for the kids to be able to come join me because when they come to mountain bike races it's just not as spectator friendly you take off and be like all right see you in an hour and a half for the next lap like it's just not super fun for them um i forget what the question was so when you finished up up your elite cycling career yeah you went back to work and at that point um i'm assuming that your daughters were getting old enough and they were getting on mountain bikes and that's kind of what kind of led you towards ultimately the saratoga shredders yeah exactly um it was kind of um right place and right time sort of thing and and the phases of my life um it worked out that um you know i had been at this great level i was able to to um compete at a high level because i had all this time while the girls were in school unfortunately i got divorced um a few years ago and so i knew at that point that i was going to have to go back to work of course and i have to have a bit of a different balance in my life in terms of the time i was spending on the bike the time i was spending with the kids and the time i was spending at this new job right which i hadn't had a daily um, traditional job until then so um I kind of phased out of the um, the racing anyway. I continued to ride as much as I could, but I was able to incorporate the girls into more of my weekend stuff when I had them, which was really nice. So when Zoe was in kindergarten and, and Sophia was in second grade, um, they were able to ride with me. Zoe um, was, was pretty comfortable, but pretty young, right, at five years old to be able to be out on the trails. And uh, I made these little 
when it was the three of us riding, we had fun, but they didn't have like a blast, right? It was riding with mom. Like there's lots of complaints. There's lots <laughs> of like, same with hiking with mom. Like, as, but as soon as one other person would come, either a child or a parent, perfectly happy out there riding bikes. <laughs> so really I started it because of that, because I wanted them to be able to enjoy the sport more if they chose to. Um, and I hoped that by having other kids around, they would enjoy it more. So I made these little kind of business card sized pieces of paper for them to hand out to their friends in school that just said, we're riding bikes at four o'clock every afternoon in the spa park, come join us. Here's my phone number, email. And so we had, um, I think Sarah and Kaylee just left, but they were um, some of the originals that, that came um, back then. And we had, maybe six or seven that showed up initially and they were friends, right? So it was, and I don't think you had shown up yet, Pavla. Right. (laughs) So it was friends and then it became friends of friends. And so we would have, you know, between like six and 12 girls would show up every week with a couple of parents to help out. And that was big deal for us. Like that was pretty great. So Pavla um, was part of that, the very first, and she was, you know, I didn't know them. So that was the first time where people were coming and she, she wasn't necessarily doing this, but but parents were coming and just dropping their daughters off. And I was like, oh, I think we need to make this into an actual like, <laughs> thing. Like we need waivers and we need emergency contact info. I didn't know these, I didn't know their first names, never mind their phone numbers, right? <laughs> like, so um, at that point we kind of made it more official and, um, and became Saratoga Shredders. Uh, and we just sustained that for a good year, I guess fall and spring. We never did it in the summertime because um, it, at the time it was just based at the spa park and spa park in the summertime is bananas with the SPAC. And so we could never really have, you know, it was no, it was not beneficial for us or the other people enjoying the park if we were there at the same sure. time as all of them were. So we really just focused on spring and fall. Then we didn't do it this past fall because I had gone back to work full time and I wasn't sure what kind of flexibility I was going to have. Um, but I have a really great um, job that allows me to have some flexibility. So I was like, perfect, we'll start it up in the spring again. And COVID happened, right? <laughs> so I guess it was a year ago was the last time we had shredders in the spring um, and then restarted it uh, in June. So, yeah. So at that point, you know, I knew that you were doing some type of mentoring, riding with girls up here. We, I didn't know that much about it yet, but all of a sudden it seemed like it just exploded <laughs> yeah. because like I see stuff on Facebook, I see you started the group and then I see a, you know, Adirondack Sports and Fitness, a little bit about it last year when you yeah, did that. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're, you're getting like, you know, 50, 60, 70 girls riding mountain bikes right. and it's just an incredible. I just got chills uh, when you're describing I think <laughs> ever. I, it was just unbelievable. And yeah. I mean, I think even yourself was probably pretty shocked at the yeah. number of of girls and, and families that were coming out here to, to join you. So obviously, you know, we were during a time of COVID. Yeah. And so how did you set that up to, to kind of make it safe for everyone yeah. and, and to deal with everybody's concerns about that? No, oh, that's a great question. And it, and it's, it was a, a conscious, it's on my mind constantly, no matter like how far along we now are in the season, having been, you know, it's, three months now that we've been doing uh, Saratoga Shredders and every single practice it's the the priority in my mind is to make sure that everybody is comfortable with the way that we're running things so initially we um uh let's see initially we at least um we had a we had a COVID attestation form so it was a, a form um that had making sure that they didn't have the symptoms mm-hmm. and, and um, that they hadn't been to the states that were um, recommended that they don't go to. Um, so we'd have a list then of everybody who signed this form, which means that we have an attendance list, right? Then we were able to um, always, we then broke the girls up because we realized it was going to be such a large group. We then had to divide the, the girls into certain groups so that every week they were in the same group so that heaven forbid there is a COVID case and we knew exactly which group that girl was in that of course that group could be notified but the whole group could be notified as well luckily we did not have a situation like that but so we were always kept in these um in these separate pods right yeah and um the only way we could do it safely is because we had so many female mentors that volunteered if we only had five or six female mentors we couldn't have more than 10 girls or 20 girls be part of saratoga shredders but we have over 20 volunteer female mentors that show up every monday and wednesday and so these groups of girls are between five girls to 10 girls or so and you always have two female mentors as part of the group so we can keep those group sizes small by having all of these volunteer female mentors that are out there, which makes it incredible. So, so we keep it small is, is one thing. Everybody wears a mask, adult and child wear masks. Biking is luckily this amazing sport that 
naturally keeps you socially distanced to a few feet anyway. Even when you're standing still, you're at least three feet away from the person in front of you. Mm -hmm. Um, But the kids are always told to kind of keep a little bit more of a distance. Um, So biking kind of naturally ensures that we are keeping to those mandates of being socially distanced. Uh, We do temperature checks as well. Um, And what else do we do? Like there's more that I'm not thinking of. Um, Well, as the group has grown, has there been any kind of you know feedback from the state parks or people that using the park with such a large group of people? No, I've been surprised actually. And early on, thank you for bringing that up. Early on, we did call the Department of Health. I called the, the Saratoga DOH, and I was like, we have this group, um, and am I doing things right? This is what we're doing right now, and are we doing things right? And I was sure she was going to say. But this was early. This was like week two because I was like, oh, my gosh, this is clearly a thing now. I need yeah. to make sure we're checking all the boxes and doing this properly. Um, and she said, no, actually, like, this is amazing. Like, I re- this is exactly what the kids should be. Kids in general should be doing at this time is being outside in the woods, but still being able to see other kids. They're the lowest right. risk group of the population. And they're outside doing this activity that they're on. As long as they're staying on their bicycle, they're safe. And that's rule number one. You have to stay on your bicycle for shutters like you cannot get off your bike and, you know, um, and do whatever you have to stay on your bicycle. So the, the, to have that feedback from the DOH, from, you know, the people that we call when there is a COVID case, right. And the professionals are telling us and the experts are telling us that this is actually great that you're, that you're doing it and just make sure, you know, you're keeping your groups separate, right. Which is what we do. So when the, when a child arrives to shredders, the parents and the child go to the registration desk, um, and they get their temperature checked, they sign their COVID form and they are immediately brought to their group. We have six different groups, which are separated by age and ability. Um, and they are brought to those groups. So they're never congregating in one spot. So even if we're in a space that's this large, like they're in the far, each group is in the far corner. They're Mm not, um, and so they're never congregating. And at the end, that's what I get nervous about too, is the congregating at the end, but the parents are all waiting at their cars and we make sure that each child sees them at their car and they go to that parent at the car. So they're never again, congregating at the end of a ride either. The only, I'd say the only feedback we've had from Luther and KP riders have been the, the trails get crowded, you know, when we're there. Sure, sure. And you know, we all of a sudden have, I think we had 60 at, at Luther one night. <laughs> which is incredible. But the groups were like five to 10 girls. They were small. But if you were out there riding as an individual, you had to stop pretty much every three to four minutes because there was a group coming right, through. Right. It's so like the way Nike that I, too, yeah. Thing. So the way that I would try and mitigate that is just send an email or send a post to the Luther Forest mountain bike group. Um, if we were riding there on that Monday or same with KP, there's, there's Facebook groups for each of those riders and the capital region um, bike racing clubs is because people travel, of course, to get to these trails and just let them know like, you potentially are going to have 40 to 60 girls showing up on these trails. Like uh, maybe think about going, I, I wouldn't recommend what they would do, but I would just let them know <laughs> that we were going to be there. Um, and so I'd yeah. occasionally be like, you know, people would come back and say, thank you for letting us know. We'll go a different day. Um, and then a couple people would ask, so what do you, what are you doing for COVID you know, mitigation measures? Sure. And so I would list what we are doing and, um, and they would thank me for the feedback and we'd move along. So it seems to be received pretty well by the mountain bike community and, um, Biking has just taken off during COVID, of course, with, you know, you can't even find a bike in a shop these days. Yeah. Um, and so we've been lucky enough to kind of be able to uh, enjoy that sport through this. When you first started this, were you, was the, the grand vision that there'd be 50, 60 girls coming to, to ride on a weekly basis? Yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, it was really, as I say, it was just to, so my own girls could enjoy riding really selfishly. That was why I started it. And now, you know, it isn't necessarily that they get to ride with me on these rides, but the fact that they've made so many friends, like the kids that are here today, like Lily, these girls, they, they come to up. They come up from Del Mar, which is about, what, a 45-minute drive every time you come to Shredders, which is incredible. And and Sophie would not have met Lily if it weren't for Shredders. And they can now race together if they want to race together and spend a lot of time together outside of Shredders, too. So the, the friendships that they've made... Um, has just been phenomenal um but yeah the original intent was just to get a couple girls out on bikes and i think that um just everything aligned for it to to, for for it to really be incurred and i think the way that we've built it to yes it felt really sudden but we were able to do it um 
sustainably somehow. Like, especially with the, the kit and everything too, to have the face masks with the logos on them, with the sweatshirts and the shirts. It was really fun for the girls to feel like they were part of something when nothing else was really going on. So that was really part of the building too, was making sure that they felt this kind of sense of belonging. And again, without the volunteers, like we have um, Angie and Mike, I think Angie's left. Oh, Angie's over there now. Um, who are at the registration desk every single Shredders, um, Monday and Wednesday, every single time. And, and um, I can't, I originally was doing that myself, right? I was doing the registration and mm -hmm. then also making sure I was dividing all the girls up. And I know I don't have to go near the registration desk anymore because I know it's well run by those two individuals um, uh, that take care of all the registration and the swag. And I just need to find a group to lead, right? And I just am able to, we have this group of, of 20 or so female mentors that um, are so helpful every week to be able to kind of disperse amongst the, the tens of girls that are ready to ride. It must be so awesome to see uh the girls improve weekly. I'm sure that the oh, yeah. new girls probably improve every time they ride. Absolutely. And uh, it must be so awesome just to see somebody ride a teeter-totter. I mean, yeah. it looks so intimidating when yeah. you see a teeter-totter. And when you do it once, you're like, oh, yeah. oh, that wasn't yeah. that bad. But <laughs> at first, I, I mean, the first one I ever did, I remember too. And I was like, that was kind of scary. Yeah, so and when you're going great. with your parents, it's different. Like, you go with yeah. your parent, and yes, the adult can show how to do it. And But if you're going with five or six other girls who one of them might have the courage to try it, and the, all, the rest of them are like, no way. There's no yeah. way I'm going to try that feature. But one of them does it, and the others are like, oh. <laughs> she's the same age as I am. Yeah. She has the same size bike as I do. She has the same gear as I do. Yeah. She's wearing a shredder shirt too. <laughs> I'm going to go try that also. Like and positive yeah. peer pressure. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Healthy <laughs> amount of peer pressure. Yep, that's exactly what it is. And, you know, there's this tiny little whoop-de-doo just over here, right? Uh, it's at the other pavilion, I guess. Tiny, like little gravity cavity. And that my girls couldn't do two years ago, right? But another girl would show up and she was younger I think than both of you and did it without even thinking about it and the girls are like oh well, she can do it I can do it and, and they don't mm -hmm. say that of course but and they're not they're not pressuring each other with their words necessarily but they're encouraging and and that's yeah. just been the amazing thing is seeing that positive encouragement mm -hmm. from from the girls themselves not even just the mentors but from the girls themselves and we don't do like Stacy was saying it's really about going out the, the trails and having fun we mm -hmm. it's only an hour and a half and by the time we get them all checked in and we're talking about we do a safety check with each of the groups first and and trail etiquette and things we only really only have a, about an hour of ride time um so we really just focus on getting them on the trails we don't do any drills beforehand or anything so what we've decided to do this year was we every monday and wednesday was trail riding and we rotated between um three different venues so week one we were at the spa park for monday and wednesday week two we were at luther forest for monday and wednesday week three we were at kp for monday and wednesday and then we went back to to the spa park again for weeks four and then Luther and so it was a six-week rotation for those three venues um, and then sprinkled every other weekend we did skills sessions so we'd cap them at 20 25 ish I think we had and we do it here at this pavilion actually in the grass um, and so it was a smaller group and we had five or six mentors that would come along actually more than that but and we had stations so at each station they were learning braking they were learning um, uh, changing gears, they were learning balancing, they were learning the mountain bike ready position. So very specific skills they were learning at each station and staying in their groups and then rotating station to station. The, the, the mentors would stay at that station, the girls would rotate through, and then we would finish with a skills park ride. So one of the dads of the group has made all these features for us. So we have like a, a mobile skills park pretty yeah. much where he throws everything in the back of his truck, including a manual machine where we can do wheelies. Oh, cool. Like every single girl can go into that wheelie machine and pull a bike up into a wheelie which is like yeah. well, how often would they be able to experience that in another situation so um, and those have been received really well to have the more one-on-one -on -one attention um, specific skills and then you see those girls that have been to one or two of those showing up to the weekly rides and their confidence is just you know sky high after having gone to some of these skill right. sessions where they're riding these skinny bridges that are you know man-made skinny bridges out in the in the green grass but mm -hmm. then they see that in the woods and and it's a bridge that's that wide but it's in the woods and they're like oh I'm not going to walk over that anymore I'm just going <laughs> to ride it so it's been fun to, to sprinkle those skill sessions into um, the trail riding specifically and then the the other thing we've been sprinkling in on the weekends is mentor rides so what we do is as a kind of give back to the mentors who are all volunteers um, I run a, a, a mentor ride we think we did three of them this year 
where um, we had sponsors that gave beer and pizza. So Common Roots Brewery gave beer and Nine Miles East gave pizza. Um, and we would lead rides for the mentors. So a lot, some of these mentors are experienced riders and past racers. And some of them are just moms that want to be able to join their kids riding bikes around the neighborhood or in the right. trails. Um, and so that unintentionally has been a really nice thing for the mentors, it turns out. Like I get a lot of feedback, like they're so excited to be out in the woods with other women, right? That some of which are pure beginners and some of them are more advanced. Um, and then to just socialize with this new group of just awesome women has been a really nice um, thing to have as well. Yeah. So, yeah. For the the girls that, that come into the group, what's typically the initial ability level? Do you see, you know, total novices all the way up to, to young girls that can handle a bike fairly well or is Absolutely. there yeah it's exactly what it is it really is a range i mean we have lily who joined us a couple months ago who was already racing cyclocross last year as a nine-year-old right <laughs> and then we have kids most of the kids though that's not usual most of the kids are joining us as neighborhood riders right they're comfortable riding around their neighborhoods and their cul-de-sacs on their bikes and they don't have super fancy bikes they they have you know a bike from walmart or a bike from target and that's totally fine like so what we're doing is not teaching them how to ride a bike you have to be able to ride your bike off of training wheels when you come to shredders unfortunately we did have a couple girls that showed up and they had literally just taken their training wheels off and we had to just say just have a few more you know a couple more months in your neighborhood riding riding roads and come back to us in the spring because it was just holding the rest of the group back so they come to us having a certain level of riding ability um, through their through their um, neighborhoods some of them won't have gears right they're five years old so the bikes don't even have gears sometimes they're coaster brakes too so you can't teach ratcheting or anything oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Um, sure. but and and that's okay like I've never said to any parent like your girl she needs to get a new bike in order to join shredders like that's any bike goes in this group and kids bikes are all come already with a certain thickness of wheel anyway and yes some of them might have baskets on their bikes and little like squishy animals or whatever it is on their bikes and they'll learn pretty quickly that the water bottle won't stay in their basket <laughs> when they're riding through the woods those sorts of things um but yeah any bike goes and any level goes as long as they're comfortable um uh, riding in their neighborhoods really but we do get a range all the way through and that's why we've been able to um and it's, it's nice that we've been able to break up into these ability groups. So we have beginners, intermediates, and advanced riders that are also divided by age. So we have young beginners, old beginners, young intermediate, old intermediate, young advanced, older advanced. Um, so they can really be in their peer group as well as their ability group, um, which is really nice. Yeah. It sounds like it, the group has, has grown, but it's never been overwhelming. Uh, what's... What's the sort of long-term goal that, that you're looking at? Yeah. Um, I should have an answer to this. <laughs> <laughs> you're supposed to have goals, right, these things? Um, I think the goal is really to, to get kids on bikes, and I have no intention of um, making this into a race team, for example. I've had a lot of people who have asked me that. Um, this the, the goal of Saratoga Shredders is to get girls on bikes, no matter where you're coming from, no matter how much money you have, no matter what your background is, it's to get girls on bikes. Um, and having been in a racing environment for quite a few years and seen the few number of women that are in the mountain bike racing scene, and this, same with cyclocross, it's always an issue. Um, and I don't know as much about the road racing scene but it's always you know it's, it's more or less the same yeah just a very few women that are that are racing yeah. and again this is not a race team but even if i have one or two girls that decide out of the 80 that decide to go on to racing like that's great that's one or two more girls that will be part of the competitive mountain bike racing scene um so the goals the goals are to remain as a, a club to get girls on bikes but we also are you know we'll be mixing things up throughout the year so spring and fall are focused on mountain biking but for example, just now, last week, we started our shoulder season, which is off-the-bike training. So we do a six-week session over in the warming hut where we do cross-training stations um, and do some conversations about anti-bullying and sportsmanship and teamwork. Um, so that's just these um, concepts and uh, ways of moving physically, too, that apply to all sports. I don't want these kids to just be mountain biking. Like, they should be doing all different sports. And, and those shoulder season um stations and conversations are all sport based that they can take into all sports and then in the winter time we're going to have um, a webinar of sorts where we invite inspirational female athletes and adventurers from our area to give live um, 
presentations to the girls and for the girls to be able to interact with them digitally uh, to inspire them in all sorts of ways. So not just mountain bike racers, but um, adventurers and hikers and triathletes and from all different disciplines, yeah. which would be fun. So it sounds like the, the overall goal is to start girls young in the sport and, and hopefully, um, you know, they enjoy it and, and continue to, to stick with it for, for yeah. many years into the future. Yeah, exactly. And I think because it's such a unique thing of, um, of staying girls on bikes, it's, it really brings that, um, community together. And we've been lucky enough to, to partner with a couple of organizations in Saratoga that um, have, so, so Bikeatoga, I don't know if you're aware of mm -hmm. them, but they receive donation, donated bikes from the community. They refurbish them in their workshop and then they're able to give them to families in need. Um, so that's another one of the biggest goals I have is to be able to make this sport, which is a fairly privileged sport. It's an expensive sport. Mm -hmm. It's hard to access for a lot of families. How can we reach that community of families that can't necessarily afford to buy a brand new bike? So working with Bikeatoga, they've just last week donated four bikes to us that we can then have available for any child who can't necessarily afford to have one. Um, we're also hoping to work with the Y in the spring to be able to, they have 20 odd bikes at the Y and they can just ride over with us to the spa park on Better days and those girls that are at before and after school programs at the Y can just join us um, for part of the shredders and right. and and not dependent on need or background or anything so that's really nice to have that it um, seems like you have a lot of support from the businesses in Saratoga by yeah. you know reading your updates and whatnot on the Facebook page and yeah it's really been really amazing I mean I literally haven't asked for anything and people just keep kind of coming to us which is just it's very telling of course but it, it just feels amazing to have that amount of support um, from you at CBRC the Capital Bicycle Racing Club um, and the Farmer's Daughter um, to the Adirondack Multisport Club um, who donated to us um, Grey Ghost has been a, a fantastic supporter um, both financially and also they they made some socks for us with shredders <laughs> on, the, on the socks which is really nice <laughs> from them and the Form Collaborative which is a uh, uh, building a, I did not say that well. A how would you describe Rise Company? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Form Collaborative is a design build company that um, that makes amazing buildings and homes, um, and they've also contributed to us. Um, Trek has made some awesome water bottles that they donated with Saratoga Shredders on them. So yeah, just fantastic support from the community because we don't charge for this group. So I, I ask for a suggested donation so those that can afford it can can give some money, but um, I don't want that to be something that prevents kids from being able to join so right. i don't keep track of you know which families are paying what you know um but it is available to anybody who wants to join us for that are there other groups like this around our area it doesn't sound like it or you know no, across I mean, the country at all uh so well so nika is the um, middle school and high school mountain bike racing scene which is a mm -hmm. national organization um, and New York does have a very active fantastic group of teams um, that that compete across New York um, and so we do have Andrew Rizzi and um, runs a club down south of us as well as Rich runs our cubed and then um, Grey Ghost has a team as well in the Queensbury area and because they just opened a shop in Saratoga they will reactivate that team in the spring so we will now have a Saratoga based um, NICA race team which is nice but again those are for older kids so that's middle school and high school obviously co-ed so boys and girls um, there isn't another girls mountain bike club obviously in the area there's an amazing organization called Little Bellas um, and they specifically do girls mountain biking um, across the country so they are vermont based they were started by uh, leah davison who's a olympic mountain yep. bike racer and her sister sabra um, and they set up uh, chapters across the country so you have to apply to be a member of little bellas and start a chapter and they cap it at 20 or so girls um, a pretty steep um, membership fee to it um, but they do a series of six weeks of riding um, and so I think that they have maybe 20 chapters set up across the country right now. But, yeah, that's the only organiza other organization I know of that does it. Right. It sounds like there's a need, right, to get young girls into into sport, be be outdoors, and you're addressing that 
yeah. in the area, and, and the response has been been quite right. Apparently, there's that need if there's <laughs> this many girls have been showing up. So yeah, it's just been and and from talking to the other girls, there's so many other sports that they're normally involved in. So and I had just assumed coming from summer to fall that once school started, once other sports started, that our numbers would start to go down because of that. And in fact, they increased <laughs> um, in the fall. So the fact that some girls are actually choosing mountain biking, possibly right, yeah. and um, of course they're also doing other sports, but um, it's really nice to see so much enthusiasm for for my favorite sport, which has been amazing to combine. It really, for me, selfishly, it combines the fact that I can be with my children, um, enjoying my favorite sport with them outside with other people um, and meeting other families and other parents through this has, has just um, been wild. Well, it really shows that you know cycling is such a fun way to go out yeah. in the woods whether at a park on trails and kids really love riding bikes yeah. i mean we all rode bikes as kids and then people stop riding bikes yeah so what i'm really hoping is that that these girls keep riding bikes when they get older not even racing necessarily exactly. just riding bikes for healthy lifestyle you yeah. know go ride to school ride to work yeah um or just ride with your friends and you know and everybody's seen it since covid people kids are riding bikes more in general it's just a great thing to see and this is just taking it to another level which is it's just so impressive to see that i never would have thought that you know 70 girls would be riding bikes in saratoga state park (laughs) or or kp or at uh luther Luther, you know it's just an amazing thing and it's kudos to you Thank for sure. You. It's yeah, awesome. It's, it's been so awesome. just so much. It's been really fun. And, and yeah. I think maybe we should ask a couple of the shredders what their favorite parts of being a shredder is and what you enjoy about, about shredders. <laughs> maybe you can introduce yourselves girls and tell us what group you're in, which fly you are. We didn't say that there are the six, the six groups are butterflies, mayflies, caddisflies, dragonflies, Fireflies and hoverflies, <laughs> in order, in order for age and ability. That's awesome. So maybe the three of you could each introduce yourselves and and talk about shredders a little bit. What you like the best about it? Um, my name is Anne Sophie, and I'm in the hoverflies. Um. Um. I like. <laughs> Um, I like riding with my friends. Awesome. In the woods. Um, I'm Lily. I'm in the hoverflies. And my favorite thing about shredders is, um, I like, what I like about it is, like, there's a lot of girls on bikes. Like, when I race cyclocross, like, they're either older girls, like, teen, probably, or there, or like there's just boys that I would race against. So it's really nice to like be on a bike with a girl. Thanks, Lily. That's awesome. Hi, my name is Zoe, and I'm in Fireflies. And what I like most about shredders is I like riding with my friends and just riding with my friends. <laughs> <laughs> we all like riding with our friends. That's right. <laughs> it's the best part. <laughs> Thanks, girls. <laughs> you know, when when people talk about you know other sports and you know more of the the mainstream sports and, and kind of how it it translates to everyday life, what what sorts of qualities and um, like life skills are you seeing these young girls develop through mountain biking and, and through the group? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and that's certainly, yeah, to have that kind of wholesome, holistic approach to um, outdoor adventure is really what I'm trying to, to get at with this group. Um, that love of the outdoors, the respect for the environment and the respect for the outdoors um, and and that sense of adventure. I think that's the main thing. And I've been lucky enough and kind of put myself in, in position to, to have a pretty adventurous um, career um, and as well as sporting life. Um, um, and I want to be able to open up those opportunities to these girls to start riding bikes in the woods, which seems so simple. But 
when you see them, when they've come back to the parking lot after these rides, they've been in, you know, in Malta, New York for an hour and a half riding bikes in the woods. You'd have thought they had just climbed Mount Everest. Like <laughs> the adventure stories they're coming out with because they've just rolled over this feature that they've never, like they never thought they'd be able to do that. Or this person did that. This person did that. Wasn't she so amazing that she did that? And it's just every post-ride conversation that I'm able to kind of have a little listen to in the in the parking lot is just brings me chills like it's just fantastic and so it's that sense of adventure um as I say I've always loved being outside um being a geologist I've wanted to understand my environment more I've worked in the arctic and the antarctic for many years um camping and (laughs) had a pretty adventurous career that way um and of course I'm not expecting my girls or anyone to have that sort of of a career but to give them a glimpse of adventure on a, a, a twice a week for the spring and the fall is is really an honor to have exposed them to really so cool yeah it's been really special <laughs> and also the healthy lifestyle that goes along yeah. with it and that's super important these days the I cider believe. donuts and the <laughs> <laughs> oh i didn't see those <laughs> we did bring cider donuts today for the girls <laughs> But you know what I mean. Absolutely. You know, it's just uh, it's just great to see that too, because so many so many kids are just inside playing video games or or, or or just texting with their friends, and out on the mountain bike, they're not doing that. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah, and, and and those are there are other things that we try and. Um, I mentioned the shoulder season, but, um, you know, we have a few other scientists in the group, too, that have PhDs in botany and ornithology and, and me as a PhD in geology. Like, when we're out on rides, they're stopping and being like, this is a so-and-so bug or this is a such-and-such tree. Like, I don't have that background, but the girls that are lucky enough to have those leaders that are mm-hmm. able to stop and point out what's around them and show them this outdoor yeah, science on a cool. daily basis is amazing, right? And then the other thing is whenever we have... Um, uh, whenever we have events, whether that's the kids' skill sessions or the mentor sessions, um, we try and have zero waste as part of our uh, philosophy of these events. So we have all reusable cups and plates and napkins, and so the only trash is... Uh, I don't know if there's any trash really. It's either recycled or it's composted or it's washed and reused. And so that's a, that's a big thing in my life that's important to me. And it's really nice to be able to bring that into shredders also. And that's part of their education too, is learning sure. how they can... like. They just had a party with a party, a, a skill session with with 20 other children, and there was no waste. We didn't have to take anything to the garbage, to the to transfer station, or to the to the dump. Like that's a big deal for some of these kids who are using a lot of paper and plastic at home. Sure. Um, so that's also been a, a fun aspect to bring to these kids as kind of life skills. Good. The other life skill that they've all learned is how to pee in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. What's another? I feel like there are a couple other like silly Tick, life ticks though. Ticks. Yeah, yeah man, you're right. Big deal. You gotta, I know that. You gotta I pick and that choose the spot <laughs> that you're peeing in the woods. <laughs> but it's literally like some of these kids have never done that, yeah. which I'm not. I don't blame them for that. But it is. There's no bathrooms in the middle of the woods. Like we do have to be like, all right, let's wait for Sally to pee in the woods. <laughs> 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 yep. So yep. <laughs> there's no Sally. I made that up. It's true. <laughs> So we've we've covered a, a lot of ground here in the last hour or so. Any any kind of last thoughts? Um, you know, I, I'm just I'm sensing you know a lot of just kind of gratitude in in a lot of your yeah. your responses. Anything else that you want to share about about the club itself? Yeah, gosh, um, yeah, it really is gratitude. That's a great way of summing it up. It's gratitude the, to the to the parents of these kids to be bringing their girls and and um, providing them this opportunity to ride with us and, and bringing them out rain or shine to some of these rides and allowing them to have that adventure. It's gratitude to the mentors who come out week to week, some of which don't have children of their own. They're just coming out because they love the idea of us providing this opportunity mm-hmm. to get girls on bikes. Gratitude to have these four different or three different locations that we rotate through to and to be allowed to be riding in those locations. And, um, gosh, closing words. It's just, it's been overwhelmingly, um, fantastic and I, I think um i hope that we can carry on the way that we have been um and are lucky enough during these really really difficult harsh times of of covid to have a bit of joy in our kind of daily and weekly routine of um of having shredder smiles uh, and shredder adventures every week so um yeah anybody who wants to 
join the group or find out more information, how would they go about yeah, doing that? That's another thank you that I forgot. So <laughs> Colleen Pierre has made our website and she's done an incredible job of keeping it updated with rides every week and et cetera and sponsorship opportunities. So we have a great website. The website is www.saratogashredders.com. And then, um, so you can find out about the group there uh, and about the upcoming ride and, and um, opportunities for skill sessions, etc. Um, you can register your daughter through that website also. And then you can also um, go to our Facebook page, which is also Saratoga Shredders. Um, it's a closed private group, um, obviously, because we're announcing where our rides are for girls around the area. Um, and so you just request to join and I'll look at your profile and make sure you, <laughs> you have daughters who are interested in mountain biking um, and you can join our group. So um, those are the opportunities to, and my phone number and my email address, I think are on the website too. So reach out if you'd like to join. The more the merrier. Awesome. <laughs> you got anything else, Andy? Well, it's been a pleasure, Anna. Yeah. It's been great. And uh, I was looking forward to interviewing you with awesome. Jim then this time. Thank it's, you. It's been, Thank you, you great things much. up here. It's been, it's impressive. I love it. Well, thanks for coming up, and it's it's nice to, to chat to you about something other than super official bike racing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. Super pro. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, yeah we're building we it. We haven't had a lot of conversations about other than that for yeah. me and you, so it's been yeah. great. It's really Learn nice. more about you, too. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you. I appreciate yeah. the opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> Felt like I could uh, actually hold my own in a bike conversation this time, because <laughs> I have a daughter, and you know, it's, yeah, you it was a little easier for me to talk about than, you know, power meters and low heart rate training and all this stuff <laughs> where Andy kind of runs circles right. around me. So <laughs> it's a team effort, right? Between you two. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's, we've done quite a few of these now and uh, it, it, it gets a little better every time. I mean, obviously depends sometimes on the subject matter. We each have different expertise in different areas. But it's been great. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Cool. It was a pleasure meeting you and uh, thank you very much for given us uh, about an hour or so of your time and you know i look forward to talking to you again absolutely thank you it was a pleasure <laughs> we hope you enjoyed this episode of the sense fitness podcast just so you know we have a fantastic online community full of good vibes and good information to help you reach your health and weight loss goals each day, you'll receive a new video discussing the latest fitness and nutrition topics, along with daily engagement to help keep you accountable and improving. We'd love to have you. Head over to Facebook and search for the Sense Fitness Weight Loss Warriors Group, and we'll see you there.